0: One, two, three
1: Listen. Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers. You can become a member and find out about our annual conference, the Nine Dots Gathering, at nine-dots.co. Welcome back to the Dotcast. I'm adam Johnson, one of the co-founders of Nine Dots, along with Andy Gaines and Rohel Kona. This episode is the first episode of the second series of the Dotcast. In this series, we'll be chatting to photographers from in and around the 9Dots community about their work and businesses. In this episode, I'll be chatting to Heather Jowett. Heather is a wedding photographer based in Detroit, Michigan in the USA. We were lucky to have Heather over to speak at the 9Dots gathering in London in 2018, where she shared her unique take on wedding photography and specifically her passion for wedding photography customer service. She's been a friend of 9Dots ever since, and I had a lot of fun chatting to her for this Dotcast episode. As ever, we hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. If you've got any questions, suggestions, or comments, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Nine Dots, or you can email us at hello at nine-dots.co. And now over to Heather to completely sabotage my intro.
0: Put your pants on. No. <laughs>
1: well, now I have to leave that in. No, you. Okay, well, how are we gonna-
0: I wanted this. I wanted that to just be the first thing.
1: Thanks for that. Thanks. Just, You're welcome. Yeah. Why do you why do you, why do you enjoy throwing spanners in the works so much? Is that a saying in America? Do you have this saying in America where you throw a spanner in the works? Do you know what a spanner? I is? have no. Oh, this is gonna be fun. So that, I'm
0: sure there's an American equivalent. There
1: is. So a spanner would be a wrench.
0: Oh yeah, like throwing a w- wrench in the wheel. Yeah.
1: Oh right, that's your that's your version of it.
0: Yeah. Kinda yeah.
1: I kind of that's kind of how I kind of see your involvement in the whole podcast. <laughs>
0: For <laughs> that's that's <not> great.
1: <laughs> it appears to be premeditated i'll be honest
0: it's it's because i want to set the bar low and make people think that i'm not actually going to be funny and clever this whole time and then by the time they get to the end of it they're gonna be like actually she had a lot of really really good stuff to say but um i believe very firmly in setting the bar for yourself very very low so you can just vault right over that bitch and you're fine so yeah that's why
1: Good work. I mean, that's, that's just, a, that's just a great mantra to live by.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just keep everyone's expectations of you super, super low. So you can blow them out of the water. I mean, The trick is you have to be able to blow them out of the water. You can't. Oh, right. Can't,
1: yeah. That would make sense.
0: Yeah. You yeah. If your potential is only that you meet the low expectations and this is not a good strategy for you. You need to do some work. But for me, this is always, this has always worked out quite well, well for me. So.
1: Nice. So I'm going to start by saying, knowing me, Adam Johnson, knowing you, Heather Jower, aha. Yeah, I, th- I expected uh-huh. silence because now I need to educate you on British comedy. So, have you ever heard of Alan Partridge? Uh,
0: I think didn't he have? He's from the '70s. No,
1: uh, I mean, how do you explain Alan Partridge to an American? That's that's tricky. So he, so Alan Partridge is a character of this guy who is a kind of socially inept interviewer and he had a sit, a, a talk show mm. called knowing me knowing you with alan partridge
0: okay but, ah. and, uh, and, and
1: obviously there's, a, there's the abba song knowing me knowing you so he would introduce every guest and he's a hero of mine a personal hero of mine he would introduce every guest by saying knowing me alan partridge knowing you name of guest so
0: uh-huh.
1: i fully expected you to reply with silence and us to have this conversation yeah so it's gone exactly as planned perfect i think you would actually enjoy him i think you'd i think it's the kind of comedy that you would enjoy
0: yeah, maybe I would. It's just so hard to understand the English accent, though.
1: So uh, how how you do? <laughs> you're fine with me. You're fine with my accent.
0: I have no idea what you're saying. Oh, for, well, you, oh, no. well,
1: fine. This is going to go real. <laughs> well. So welcome Heather Jowett.
0: Thank you. To the
1: Nine Dots yeah. Dotcast. That's what we call it. So this is Series Two. You are Episode One of Series Two. So what an honor! Congratulations. Thank you. Well, when I mm-hmm. when I asked you to be on this. Episode of the of the dotcast. I yes. explained to you that my idea was that it was going to be a bit like Jimmy Fallon, like that. That was yes. that's how, kind of how I saw it, like a bit of a chat show. And you very kindly, do you want to share with everybody what you very kindly said to me?
0: I said this will be perfect because I'm way funnier than you, and most of Jimmy Fallon's guests are funnier than him.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Tiny bit of history. I met you when you came over to speak at the Nine Dots Gathering in 2018. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And
0: D- don't ask me if the years are correct. I don't know. That sounds right.
1: Okay, fine. Good. But you, but you are a wedding photographer. That's why, that's why yes. that's the main reason you're here. Uh, and you are in Detroit. That's, is that right? Yes,
0: that is correct.
1: So you must live next door to Eminem and build cars.
0: <laughs> I don't do either of those things. Um, it's so funny because Eminem is, you know, talks about the eight mile area. That's where he's kind of from. It's not very close to where I live in the city. Um, but eight mile now in present day Detroit, 2020 is just strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries and like nice ones, you know, it's pretty nice over there. And so if, if you're looking for strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries, it's pretty nice over there, I should say. Um, so, so yeah. So whenever you hear him talking about eight mile or anything like that just now. If you want to look at some titties and get high, it's a great place to go.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'd never, I'd never expected us to be sharing tourist tips. Yeah. but um, Because uh, I think that mostly the way that we think of Detroit over here is that everybody gets murdered every day.
0: Yeah. I've been murdered every day since I moved here. It's exhausting. It must be. No, no, it's not like that at all. It's not like that at all. It's so funny. Like I, like I live on a, in a neighborhood where like, everyone like takes so much pride in their lawn and like the edges of everyone's lawn are super straight and uh, and all the houses are beautiful and all of the people are nice. And I love Detroit. I think more people need to come and see Detroit and experience it and stuff like that, because, you know, it is not what the, you know, it's not just crumbly built crumbling buildings and, you know, homicide. So we do have some of that too, but, all the best city, cities do, so you know it's fine.
1: This message was brought to you by the Detroit Tourist Board.
0: Yes, yes, please. Yeah, so but Mayor Mike Duggan, please give me a check. Uh, yeah,
1: you deserve it. You, you <laughs> definitely deserve it after that glowing praise. Um, yes. So, wedding photography. Yes, that's what you do by choice. Yes, although not at the moment. And uh,
0: yeah, well, I'm about to get back into it. Fingers crossed, Headed into the gauntlet. Oh, so good we'll work. see. You. Yeah. Um, small i have a few a handful of small weddings coming up is what i should say people who have seriously because in case someone's listening to this in the post-apocalyptic time five years from now they've managed to find it out of you know an old iphone or something uh we are currently talking in the middle of a global pandemic um and so but i do have a few weddings coming up where people have downsized significantly and moved their their events outdoors which um is currently allowed under our state's regulation. So long as there's fewer than a hundred people there. So
1: that's quite, so big. yeah, so that's, that's much bigger than we're allowed. We're allowed. We're yeah. um, at the minute. We're not really allowed any, but in, a, in two weeks we'll be, at, oh no, maybe, from, maybe from this weekend, we're allowed 30, 30 people.
0: Even outdoors. It's limited to 30. Yeah. 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 I mean, most of my weddings that are coming up are at the 30 and below mark. Some of them are so small. That I will literally be signing like the marriage certificate as the witness, um, which will be kind of fun. I actually have a wedding coming up in about a week where um, the bride's getting married, the bride and groom are getting married here in Detroit. And this is like their plan C. Like, uh, you know, originally they were gonna get married in April, and then obviously they had to postpone, and then their postpone plans also hit up against COVID. So they just found a restaurant with a rooftop that will let just the two of them get married there. And it's so small and so low key that she is going to be getting ready at my house in Detroit. I was like, do you wanna just have your hair and makeup done here? That's where we're at for COVID weddings right now is like my my guest room will be temporarily a bridal suite. So yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we all have to pivot. How are we charging for that? How are we an extra for that? But let's just start. Why, why did you choose? And maybe you wouldn't have chosen if you knew that the wedding industry was come to a grind and halt and crash (laughs) and burn. But why did you choose all that time ago to be a wedding photographer?
0: I did not. It happened by accident for me. I was literally, I was interested in photography and I had bought a digital SLR and I took it to, um, in the area I used to live, there. I was down at boat night with my Nikon D 50. This was ages ago and, um, that I had bought with a Best Buy store credit card for 0% interest for six months or whatever. Um, and, uh, I was just taking pictures of like the carnival and the sailboats and stuff like that. And, uh, this guy goes, Oh, are you a photographer? My daughter's getting married in two weeks. And I literally responded I have a camera, was like what I said back because I was definitely not a photographer. And he was like, Great, do you want to come out? I'll pay you $500. And I was 18 at the time, or might have been 19. I was 19. Either way, $500 sounded like so much money. And whereas, like, I will barely get out of bed for $500 now. And, um, but but it's a little true. Um, But, anyways, I was just like, Okay. And then, like, two weeks later, I was shooting a wedding and where the groomsmen had like camo vests and there was a dove release, but they were just released out of like a cardboard box. Like it was fucking wild. And then I just like from people seeing photos that I took of that, maybe booked like two or three other weddings from there. Then I went away to school um, and then uh, maybe a handful of weddings while I was in school and then I graduated and I was, you know, deciding, am I going to go to grad school or am I going to, you know, try this thing? And I was like, well, let's just try this thing and see how it goes. And, you know, now I'm on the dot cast.
1: That's, yeah. And this is the pinnacle. So just be prepared. Yes. It's all downhill from here.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, that's generally the the slogan of 2020. So that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: And where can our, where can our, our many listeners around the world find this picture of doves being released from a cardboard box on Pinterest? Is that on Pinterest? Uh,
0: it is. It's all over. I actually had billboards made um to advertise myself with it. No, I um I hope to god that every jpeg of that except for the actual couple has somehow been destroyed um because I I could not even tell you. I will just say that I did not have a airtight archiving system and backup system like I do now at that point in time. That would have been like 2006, you know, I, I don't think I shot the wedding and I definitely, I didn't know what a raw file was when I photographed that wedding, you know, so it's just kind of like trial by fire, you know, just like get in there and take a picture. I was like, okay. And then it was fine.
1: This is quick maths for me, but that's fourteen years, and yeah, that makes you a relative veteran of the wedding of the wedding photography industry these days, i reckon
0: yeah, I didn't really I didn't really get going in full earnest, like you know doing no other job, just full time actually making my living from wedding photography and really putting my energy there until I think around probably. 2010 2011 but yeah i've definitely been at it for a minute um you know and i think getting my start so young um was probably a good thing just because i got all the embarrassing shit like all the color accents and you know dutch angles and stuff like that out of the way before instagram was a thing you know so so yeah
1: in my in my first ever wedding I did some spot color. That is that what, the same thing, right? Spot yes, there. yes, yeah. Uh, and I th- I thought it was great. So one of the br- groom's nephews or something did like a little Irish jig in the in the middle of the reception. Nice. And he took his shoes off and he had, he had Superman socks on. So the nice. only, you can go, you can guess but the only thing in color in this whole picture and this wasn't a close up like he was quite small in the frame to begin with. The only thing yeah. in color were his Superman socks.
0: Nice. That's perfect. Even
1: looking back, I remember thinking that is genius.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. One wedding and you've already made it.
0: Yeah. No one, no one will, no one, I'm on a next level right now. No one is ever going to think to do this. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. But so 14 years in, what, uh, what, what do you enjoy most these days about being a wedding photographer?
0: actually still, I have, um, I talk about this with like couples when they're considering hiring me. I have, obnoxiously high job satisfaction like I really do genuine I'll take the piss out of a lot of things but I really do genuinely love um this industry and and shooting weddings I am uh an ESTP if you are familiar with the Meyer Briggs um many people are not um but I was a psych major so of course I am uh I always tell people it's the same personality type that Han Solo is so almost everyone knows star wars so similar to han solo um and uh and yeah one of the things that my brain really enjoys is just novelty and like the challenge of a novel experience and kind of being kept on your toes and that's weddings for me 100 percent. like i love i love nothing more than to walk into a venue that i've never been in before you know, and have like 10 minutes to get set up and figure out how am I going to light this room and what are the best angles and everything like that. Like that being under pressure like that is really just something that my brain's like, yeah, I'm into this. And so, and like, I think that carries over to a lot of aspects of my life. Like at nine dots, when you guys like the day of we're like, Hey, do you want to host a panel? So I was like, yeah, I'll do that shit. And it's just like you know, it's just something that having that little bit of extra pressure for whatever reason increases my performance. So I love shooting weddings, and I I like that they give my brain the kind of mental exercise that it really really responds to. So yeah, and then there's all the like people love each other and all that shit or whatever. Um, uh, but but the really like the really uh thing that I like is just the actual challenge of the environment i i love that and so
1: so yeah i like that answer
0: and that, yeah I'm not,
1: I'm not trying to be a comedian about it either i like that. so you and i are like basically opposite personality types because i'm i IN- perfect i think i'm intj
0: oh really yeah,
1: yeah so yeah like that's the opposite of you so yeah no
0: i the, uh, the bit uh I am, that
1: you thrive on the 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 is the bit that i that causes me great panic but i somehow turn that panic yes. into a positive it's still into a positive
0: so yeah Yeah, it's good. It worked out. I think it's, I think I, you know, I try not to think of those kinds of tests as like destiny or whatever, but I think they can be super useful for just understanding, like, especially at least for me looking at that and thinking about how that has actually lined up with my career and specifically the way I approach things, because the, as many wedding photographers as there are in the world, there's that many different types of approaches. That's sometimes what's so great about having conversations amongst wedding photographers is you just like, you're like, wow, I would have never fucking done it that way. When like you talk to them about, and you're just like surprised and, and everything like, you know, I have so many friends who like the way they work. I think it's so brilliant and their work is incredible and stuff like that. And I'm just like, my mind doesn't function that way. And how cool is it that we are both doing the same job, but getting such different results. But both of our results are incredible. They're just, you know, they're they're each good on their own merit and and they're so different from one another. But it's still, I don't know, I, I, I really love that. My brain likes it a lot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I can see that. And I love that as well. I think a lot of people, I think that's what a lot of people love about weddings is that it is it, it's constant variety just that. Cool. Yeah, and exactly. It, and that you can never really be fully prepared. Like you can, you can have the, all the experience behind you, but you're never really fully prepared because of because of the people, the human element of it. Yeah. And just, yeah, to being unpredictable. I like that answer. What would you say that you, that you, you're not a fan of in, for, uh, about being a wedding photographer or being in the wedding industry?
0: It's tough because I am kind of the, I'm the kind of person where, uh, if, if there's an aspect of something that I don't necessarily like, I just don't participate in it. And so luckily, I, you know, I basically just like, I don't force myself to do things that I don't find fun. Um, and so, or that I don't at least enjoy. And so like, I'm terrible at um, managing my Instagram, I do not have Um, I always tell people that like, I am a testament to the fact that you can be incredibly successful in this career. I think on my business account, I have maybe like 2,600 followers, which is like, you know, small potatoes for most people, but like not to toot my own horn, but I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. I've spoken at conferences in like six different countries. Brides magazine listed me like one of the 74 best wedding photographers in 2018, I don't know what happened in 2019 and 2020, but we don't need to worry about that. Um, and like all these, you know, like I've, I've managed to have a really rewarding recognition of the fact that the work I'm doing is good, that sort of career without being this like social media mogul or anything like that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, there are aspects of it that I don't love specifically that kind of social media rat race, but I just opt out and Luckily for now, it's been okay. Um, And it's worked out. And I think, you know, having a strong body of work and having um, a good, uh, I don't like to have a strong social network. I like to have a strong like, human network. So making connections with people that are really meaningful. The only reason why Nine Dots ever heard of me and chose to have me come to London and be one of those like six countries they spoke in was because I met, you know, Andy Gaines at a conference in Vancouver and he saw me talk there and he was like, wait, this chick's pretty, pretty good. And then, you know, I think within two years I was being brought to London. And so like, yeah, that, you know, if there, my, my advice is if there's something you don't like about this industry, just don't participate. You don't have, you can still be incredibly successful without doing all of the things um, for sure. So yeah. It's, drug advice. it's,
1: it's, it's a strong advice. This is strong just, every, like I've asked, a, I've asked a couple of people this question, and, and everybody's given a positive, negative answer. Like, everybody's, everybody's thing they don't like has been quite positive, and it's and it's so. And, and if actually, when well, you know what you're saying about, like you can still be successful even if you choose not to do stuff. I would say you can you can actually be more successful if you really tailor your business and around the way that you like to work and everything. Exactly. So, because d- d- one thing about about your work is that it's very consistent. Like this, stylistically, it's very consistent. And is that something that you've worked hard at over the years or is that something that just came naturally? Is that conscious or, or not?
0: It's a little bit of both. I think, you know, early on when you first start and, and this is something, you know, when I have the opportunity to do like a mentoring session or something like that um, with someone who's relatively new or even just starting out. um, I think early on you really start, you really just, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and you're like, I hope it fucking sticks you know, and you're trying a lot of different things and you're experimenting. And I think that's good. And I have a long history with experimentation. After a while, you just, it's not a conscious decision, but just my brain started to really, you know, go in one direction. Like I've noticed, like for me, I really, I, there's a lot of symmetry in my my work. Um, I get especially excited when symmetry occurs naturally when I like, when it just kind of comes together that way, when I, when I am not the driving force of the symmetry, but I just kind of find it in its like natural environment, be it like the groom turns the bride in just the right spot of the room. And there's, you know, windows lining up. And so like like whenever I can get it, when I'm like hunting it naturally in, in the wild, um, I get much more excited about it versus like, if I'm taking a portrait, I'm like stand in the middle, like that's it's like fine, that's whatever, but it's way more exciting if it just happens on its own. So it's just like, it's, you know, both a conscious and an unconscious thing through experimenting. I noticed that I was just drifting towards liking certain things, saw that I was drifting towards that. I just started to be more conscious about seeking those things out because it was obvious that something about me was drawn to them, but I didn't necessarily, it's kind of like that awareness came secondary, you know, the experimentation was what allowed me to find that in the first place. So, so yeah. And now I just kind of like, now it's just muscle memory. Like when I am photographing a wedding, it's just what my, you know, eyes naturally look for when I bring my camera up to my face. I'm not thinking about it at all. It's just that I've created that muscle memory. I think that's super, I think once you do kind of find the things stylistically that you really respond to, I think developing that muscle memory is so critical because that's really what's going to make you a great, um, a great candid photographer um, is having that muscle memory so that when moments are unfolding quickly, you're not even thinking about, well, how am I going to compose this shot? Your brain's just like, this is obviously it click, click, click. And you know, you don't even, you, I'm not even so much conscious anymore. So, but that comes with time. And, and like, as we've noted, I've been doing this for a while. So, um, so yeah, but I, I think experimentation, figuring it out, Developing that muscle memory and being patient while you do is really critical. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Great tips again. And very, very little comedy. You're letting me down. But it's fine. We'll get we'll <laughs> uh, the the you know, on this on this road to finding the style and this and this kind of comfort and the muscle memory and all the rest of it that you're in now, has there ever been times because I think one thing a lot of photographers struggle with, and it's something I've struggled with probably at times over the years, is being distracted by what's cool at that, at that moment in time in the industry and being distracted by things that are maybe getting a lot of industry recognition. You obviously, you obviously mentioned being one of the top 74. Did you, was the, was the number 74 picked for comedy reasons or was it an actual top 74?
0: Uh, No. So they did a, they did a list of the best wedding photographers in the world and it was, it wasn't ranked. It was broken down by region, but because of who I am as a person, I did decide to count and figure out exactly how many photographers were on that list um and so and it was obviously it was super weighted towards the u.s because it would be like the midwest and california and you know the east coast and then it would be like all of europe and there would be like six of y'all um and so obviously it's all super subjective um but um but there were 74 people total on the list so who knows where i'm ranking we'll, you know. we'll,
1: go, we'll go top 73 <laughs> I think
0: yes at least yeah yeah yeah
1: Uh, but yeah but but were there ever the times where getting recognition and stuff distracted you from that kind of path to being comfortable and finding your own style and being happy with that
0: the only time I ever got recognition was when I was actually doing my like doing the stuff that I really like I did for um if anyone wants to buy a Nikon 45 millimeter tilt shift I need to sell that shit because I did for a while, I was like, I'm going to buy a tilt shift and I'm going to take the cool tilt shift photos and I'm going to be so cool. And, um, everyone with a flower crown is going to want to hire me, because I'm taking these tilt shift photos. Um, and I was just like, never, (laughs) never really happy with them. Like occasionally I would do something kind of cool with it. But other than that, it was, it was just a total gimmick to me. I don't even bring it with me and my camera bag. It is just, I'm literally looking at it right now thinking I got to sell this fucking thing. It's just taking up space in my life.
1: That's a great salesman. Yeah. He's definitely going to buy that from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now that I've told them how useless it is and how it won't help you develop yourself. You know, there are a lot of people that use Tilt Shift and are super effective with it and do beautiful things with it and stuff like that. But that was,
1: do you think it's like a, you have to go through those where you'll get distracted off and come back and then, and then get distracted? Or do you think people should ignore those kind of distractions on the whole?
0: Well, I will say that was, that was somewhat early on into what I would say was the really um, early development of my career. So not those like handful of weddings I was shooting between like, you know, 19 and 23, where it was just like, kind of, I wasn't really thinking about this as a career. Um, so it was kind of like, it was firmly in that, what I will say like experimental stage that I think is useful for honing in on what it is that you're good at and what it is that you like. Um, so I don't, I, I think um, follow those instincts within reason just to see if there's something there for you that you actually respond to. Maybe don't do it when the lens costs, you know, thousands of dollars that's probably uh not a smart move. Um but I do think there's something to just experimenting and being inspired and you know sometimes it's just not for you at the end of the day and that's okay too. So I don't think there's anything wrong with picking up the tilt shift lens but I do think that there is a lot of uh that knowing when to put the tilt shift lens down is also a uh, very important <laughs> judgment
1: to have for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it doesn't seem, I mean, do you know the, the thing with style is that there's a lot of pressure, I think on, especially if, like photographers who are maybe like two or three years in, like the pressure is that they have to find their style and find their voice and define it and like fit themselves into one of these random pigeonholes that have like appeared in the industry. Yeah, You know, like you mentioned earlier, being a candid photographer and over here we'd call it like yeah. a documentary photographer or, you know, whatever, whatever else you might be. But do you like you would you advocate and it sounds like you would just finding that muscle memory and letting it be a natural thing rather than giving it like a wordy definition of what your style is
0: yeah I still have a hard time truly I think I I think in my pricing guide I call myself like a fine art documentary photographer but those are just buzzwords that I linked together here's the here's the fucking truth is that the average person, Seeking wedding photography is not as literate of different types of photography as you are. The extent of what they know when they are looking at photography is I like this, I don't like this. Like we, I think we so often are uh because we're in the industry, we're thinking about how do I define this to the industry or to other photographers when like the truth is those people aren't paying your bills. And so and and most Most wedding clients are somewhat pedestrian when it comes to, they just have like a gut instinct of, I like this or I don't like this. And they are going, they're not going to be so caught up in like, what are the three buzzwords this person is using to describe it? You know, they're most likely starting their search by typing in the name of a city and wedding photographer. They are not typing in fine art documentarian wedding photographer in Detroit, Michigan. Like none of my clients are finding me that way you know? And so, and if they are finding that way, then you're probably the kind of photographer that distantly shoots weddings for other photographers. And those like, that is a segment of the market too. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of like, there are photographers, photographers is like what I refer to them as. And in that case, if you want to be one of those people, go for it. Every time I've shot, I I think I've shot two other wedding photographers, weddings at this point in time. And every time I am just a sweaty Betty mess the entire time. Cause I'm just like, what does it take? You know, are they judging me? Do they would they post different? Like, you know, and so like if you want to do that, then yes, you need to be super specific about your buzzwordy stuff or whatever.
1: Right. So I already kind of know the answer to the next question. But if you weren't a wedding photographer, Heather Jowett, what would you be?
0: Uh, I mean, there's no I think a lot of people I'm guessing your answer that you think you know is stand up comedian. That's what I'm
1: expecting you to say. Right.
0: Yeah, so I would say I would much rather be a comedy writer than a uh, stand-up comedian necessarily. I think there's often a lot of um, overlap between those two, but um, the aspect of certain uh, writers' rooms, uh, like specifically, this is only going to be interesting to people who are actually into comedy, but like the dynamic in the South Park writing room is like what that I really would love to be involved in because basically it's just a group of people sitting around a table, trying their hardest to make one another laugh and just to come up with what's funny and then to somehow turn that into a TV show. Like that's literally basically how every episode of South Park starts is just like someone being like, what if we had a Stevie Nicks cover artist who farted the whole time and her name was Steamy Nicks and then an episode is born out of that. That's an actual South Park episode. It's a great one. Um, but But yeah. And so, um, that's kind of, I think that would be, um, you know, I, think I would like that quite a bit, um, like, uh, up comedy. I definitely, I mean, I, I always joke that my talk that I give at conferences, like one of the ways that I kind of pitch it to conferences is by saying that it's like just as entertaining as it is um educational like people always walk away from it like having taken a lot of notes and learning a lot of stuff but also like the room is laughing people are engaged um and stuff like that because i think that's something that sometimes gets overlooked in photography conferences is that um you know to be sitting in a the same room for 3 days you know listening to keynote speakers like it's great and your mind is going to soak up a lot of stuff but also like your mind just needs like a break from that and to be entertained and have the room be like get some energy back into the room and stuff like that. So, so yeah, but, um, but comedy writing,
1: your your conference talk as well is because you've gone off on that tangent. It's kind of unique because I don't think you include any photos in the, in the slides. No, Yeah.
0: there's no photos in the slides. Yeah. There is, I do a, I do a like mini class on efficiency. And so there's photos in that one just because I'm talking about, specific techniques that I use but yeah I don't um I think the very first time I gave my talk I included a slideshow of image you know like the thing that every conference speaker does where they're like okay now let's all stare at the photographs that I've taken while I really stand over to the side and watch all of you watch my work and then see which one's like uh, this is no shade to other people who speak at conferences but it I know that if I were to do that I would have a hard time feeling like I was coming off as self serving or feeding my own ego or anything like that. So and my talk is about customer service, it is not related to how I photograph or anything like that. And so it it just doesn't make sense in that regard for me either. So so yeah, I don't include photos in my conference talk. And I like that people walk away from it if they've never looked at my work before. Maybe not even necessarily knowing what they should expect from a like Heather Jowett wedding photograph or anything like that. So, so yeah, I that is a that is a differentiator, I guess, of my talk a little bit there.
1: Well, and the fact that nobody else really talks about that side of it either, but you know, about yeah, specifically about the customer service side, or even a lot of people don't really talk about the, the business side of it in general or the you know, that kind yeah, all that kind of stuff that is vitally important to having. A successful business in this industry
0: So yeah and my customer service talk is about a time when someone was so mad and so pissed off at me and I like bring her email like quotes from her email like up on the screen and stuff like that and so I just basically like I I I'm just like hey look at like <laughs> like that the talk literally called I fucked up and so like I think that's you know I, I think, I think that willingness to kind of humble myself, um, before, before a group of strangers is also, um, a thing that is just nice. It makes it seem more sometimes when you go to these, although nine dots is really great. I, I did not get this five, nine dots at all. And I honestly think that a big part of the reason is because there just literally isn't a stage or on the like ground floor with the, you know, you're on the same level where the people are sitting. Um, But sometimes you go to these conferences and there's just this idea that these speakers are at a different level from the attendees, which I don't necessarily like just because, you know, for a lot of different reasons. But um, but that was one of the like, I remember when I spoke at Way Up North, um, Jose Villa was speaking at the same one and him and what's his husband's name? Joel. Joel. He and Joel sat in the audience with just the attendees the entire time taking notes. And this is Jose fucking via, you know, the dude's super humble and he knows that he has things to learn and stuff like that. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, I think being willing to humble yourself, especially as a speaker it, and be a little bit more approachable is such a good experience for the attendees of the conference, just because they should feel totally okay. Walking up to you, you know, later on that night, if there's a social event going on and saying like, Hey, that thing you said earlier, I haven't thought about that. Or what do you think of this or that or the other? Like, I think that's definitely a, a important role for speakers to play for sure.
1: That's that's, that's definitely like, uh, it's always been our like approach to running a conference. But the, just like quickly, just like the, the general, like learning from your talk in one way is that uh, like you, you've had this experience with this c- customer who was not happy. And you can either go, yeah. you can go one of two ways with it, really, can't you? You can go to Facebook groups and get a load of support for the fact that you did everything right, or you can actually sort it out yeah. and learn from it as a as a business person. And you uh, did the right one of those two. We'll let people decide yeah. is the right one to do. <laughs> but
0: yeah. Well, I did. I did all the wrong things first. Yeah. In the yeah, you got that. Like, that's yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but back to obviously, I was asking you about stand-up comedy and and comedy writing and everything else. But why? have you got a plan to, to do that kind of thing now? Like, have you got renewed, like impetus for that? Because we've just lived through the worst time of our generation.
0: I don't, that motivation is not as strong for me anymore that, um, needing the spotlight thing. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, it's tough because for a long time, that was something I put out there as something I would really like to do. But now I'm, now that that, you know, part of my ego is, you know, diminished a little bit, I'm having to have this new kind of thought of like, what is the new pie in the sky thing for me? You know, what does that look like? And, you know, I think this is just part of growing older, maybe can be I don't mean to be serious or not funny, I can like make a fart sound or something, <laughs> if that's better. <laughs> um but- <laughs> But yeah, so I haven't, I have not taken the pandemic to be like, well, now how am I going to make my way on to Conan or anything like that? Um, Just because, yeah, I don't know. I think I have, I think I have, uh, I think I just, you know, things have shifted and stuff like that. I still really, and I still really enjoy um, speaking at conferences and being a part of that just because I do think that that scratches that itch for me in a really, really nice way. I get to still, perform and make people laugh and make people feel good. Cause it's ultimately what, what making people laugh is it's just like making people feel, feel good because if they laugh, they feel good. But no, I haven't, I have not used the pandemic to, you know, uh, plot my escape from a uh, wedding photography. I've pretty much just used this time to decide how am I going to be useful if all of society collapses? Um, because <laughs> Trump's my president. And so I think that's much more likely Um, to happen than the idea that things will ever be okay again um and so (laughs) so,
1: so enlighten me though enlighten me what 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 is the solution if society collapses
0: i mean i really it's gonna sound so silly but like you know i've been doing things like gardening you know and making sure i really understand how to have that be to like make that thrive and you know really trying to build, you know, I moved to, I bought a home in January. So I'm like, you know, in a new neighborhood, I have new neighbors really trying to like work on getting to know my community and, you know, everything like that. And, uh, and yeah, just generally trying to, uh, you know, uh, me and my boyfriend did some canning last night. We made some tomato sauce from tomatoes that we grew, um, and stuff like that. Uh, so we'll see, you know, I don't, you know, society may not collapse, but it's always good to know how to properly preserve tomatoes in case it does. So,
1: so, yeah. so what you're basically saying is that the pandemic has aged you 55 years.
0: Yeah, I'm essentially a retired grandmother now. And so I'm going to be taking, up crocheting any moment now. And so, yeah, I think, I think now is a good time for everyone to be focusing in on their actual like local community just um, because I also think that those sorts of connections are probably the only thing that will actually save society is like strong communities and strong neighborhoods and stuff like that is this time where we're kind of forced to stay home and stuff like that is a good time to be thinking about how do I invest in, you know, making this, this neighborhood or this space or whatever, or even like my backyard. The most useful for this moment, you know, how do I grow these fucking cucumbers? Basically, so yeah,
1: it's very meditative. Yes, super zen, so zen. So last, I've got a last question. Oh, and
0: okay. You cool. You've
1: kind of already answered it. You've kind of already answered it, I think, in some ways. But if if uh, like cast your mind back to say, let's say twenty seventeen ish, and you're in you're in your garden, whatever, with your dogs, and <laughs> suddenly a phone box appears and Keanu Reeves jumps out of the phone box and tells you that in 2020, there's going to be a pandemic. Like, would you have done anything yeah. different in the last three years to be prepared for this year? Or is it,
0: do you think that's impossible? Yeah, I don't necessarily think so. I, I was lucky enough that, um, I already am a little bit of a, a penny hoarder, um, in terms of I'm like smog on top of all of my coins, just like fuck away from me, hobbits. Um, but um, so I've been uh, lucky that, not to say that the financial hit has been non-existent, because obviously there's a massive difference between going from planning on shooting 25 weddings this year to shooting, you know, 10 that will be very, very small and stuff like that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, maybe I would have, I probably would have bought. In 95 masks much sooner because you can't get those things um, anywhere. But yeah, I don't know. I still obviously believe that love is an overarching thing that's going to like continue to exist no matter what people are going to continue want, wanting to marry one another. And I think they'll uh, continue wanting that to be documented. I feel like, yes, we all are as an industry weathering a very scary moment right now. Um, but provided that all of society does not collapse. Um, I still think that the industry we're in is relatively recession and future proof just because I don't think a robot is going to ever be as good as I am at documenting emotion. Um, and I think people are going to keep getting married and I think people are going to keep wanting photos of getting married. So I'm still somewhat bullish on my career as a wedding photographer. And I know some people have been like, I'm jumping, I'm jumping ship. I'm not a photographer anymore. I got this, I got this, you know, IT degree or whatever. And I'm just going to go back to writing code for computers. And like, that's fine. I understand that too. Um, But I've yet to find uh, any other sort of job that does that thing we talked about earlier, where like, I really enjoy the novelty and the challenge and stuff like that. I've yet to find anything else that will give that that to me. So I'm really just looking at this as like, this is a storm to be weathered. And, you know, that's, you know, luckily if you've like lived a somewhat full life, you've probably weathered some storms before. So it's just like tapping back into like, how do I survive this? How do I, you know, tighten down whatever bat in the hatches, um, and make my way through because eventually we will come out on the other end and people will still be falling in love with one another and people still will be wanting to get the government involved in their love for one another. Um, and that's where I come in with my camera. So, so yeah, so I'm not completely pessimistic. It's yeah, Always
1: a political statement with you.
0: Yeah, I they do. I mean, that's really what it is. It's just like, I love you. Let's get some paperwork involved. I can't wait. Let's get some bureaucracy. Let's, let's tighten up these tax dollars. Let's get this joint filing going. Yeah. But um, so I mean, I just, think. So
1: if, if Keanu Reeves had, had appeared out of a phone box, a phone booth, that's what you call it over there, right?
0: Um, I probably would just be like, oh my God, you're Keanu Reeves. Can I please kiss you on the mouth a lot, please?
1: Yeah. But then, but then you would have spent three years like worrying about the fact that there was going to be a pandemic, whereas at least it was, at least it was a surprise. So, so that kind of made, I think that kind of made it a tiny bit easier to cope with because it was sudden.
0: Yeah. I think, I think my whole life is often just rolling with the punches when they come and, you know, I, I think I, I think I somewhat do better if I don't have time to ruminate on what could go or what is going to go wrong or whatever, you know? So, and I feel I should say, um, that some of this is coming from like a point of privilege because I was lucky enough before the pandemic to be making enough money that I had savings set aside and stuff like that. Um, and because, um, I'm an American, so I don't trust my government to do anything to actually support me. Um, and so I was lucky that I had that, um, that made that while it was still scary to be like, what the fuck is going to happen right now? It was just like some of that money that I had been saving, you know, cause I want to put it on a new deck on the back of my house. Is like that's just going to sit in the bank account for a while. And we're going to, we're going to keep that for a rainy day and we're not going to worry about the deck quite yet. You know?
1: <laughs> so Midwest gathering, you obviously run that. That's, um, yes. that's, the co-
0: co-run. that's the
1: conference I way, co-run. where you copied the name of another conference in London, I believe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. I- to be fair, I did not make the connection of the gathering aspect at all. I always just thought of you guys as nine dots and I was like, oh yeah, this thing is called the nine dots gathering. Um, but to be fair, we are now the the former Conference Midwest gathering. We are we postponed twenty nineteen for personal reasons. We're obviously postponing twenty twenty because we don't want to kill everyone, and we are not sure what will happen in twenty twenty one. My like incredible business partner in it has moved to Tennessee, so she's not even in the Midwest anymore. And um, part it's part of the thing that we really started that conference to address in terms of like, you know, the big reason why we started it is just because I see a major representation problem with a lot of photography conferences. They're super good at being like, here's seven white dudes in the lady. And then a lot of times like I'm the lady. And so, um, and so, you know, I really wanted to bring, you know, bring a conference, especially I also want to bring people to Detroit because a lot of people don't know anything about Detroit. But, um, now I at least know that, um, if any conference tries to put out the seven white dudes in a lady lineup, they are going to be so thoroughly raked over the coals by basically everyone. So I kind of feel like, okay, my work here is done. And there are other people who are putting out incredible conference lineups that are so incredibly like diverse and represent so many different groups like um tamaya colvin who does the cookout comes to mind you know like it's the forefront of my mind and uh Blink photography conference was doing it before we did it and stuff like that like i by no means think that i'm the first or that we were the first or only conference to be doing this we were another one and and so yeah knowing seeing that like the industry is finally starting to take calls for more representation seriously I feel I you know we don't know if there'll be a future just because we've now had to postpone two years in a row and it's kind of hard to lose that much momentum and then bring it back so so yeah but I'm happy to you know throw my support behind the other people who are once again like we're doing that before we did it and continue to do it and stuff yeah
1: Good work. And you've definitely done great things for the industry on that side of things. And I'm sure you will continue to do so. Um,
0: I was just going to say in terms of postponing Nine Dots, I think when you guys do come back, you'll come back strong just because people are like, they want that, like people want to gather right now. Like they, it's, it's the thing that we wish we could be doing. And for obvious reasons, we can't be because we don't want to kill anyone's grandma. And so, you know, I think I think when these events are able to start happening and stuff like that, I think it will be beautiful. And I'm you know, it'll be so good to have people coming back together again. So I think I think everyone will eventually bounce back it's just a matter of waiting for it and, you know, hoping that the entire structure of our society and uh, universe does not fall apart and uh, and that Trump doesn't get reelected. Oh, God. Oh
1: God. Fingers crossed with so many of those things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna just knock on the wood and stuff like that. Uh just, you know, good positive vibes for the continued existence of our planet. And um this is such a fun note to leave things on. Know, like, things will be okay. Things will be okay so long as they don't all completely fall apart. But you know, it's kind of fun. It's like, I don't know, we'll see what happens, guys it's either going to kind of be okay or it's going to definitely not
1: be. I really I really this, like I'm not going to do it but I really want to end the podcast on you going it's either going to be okay or it's not going to be okay <laughs> and then just <laughs> end it there. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> thanks thanks for the chats. It's been good and hopefully we'll see, Absolutely. hopefully we'll see you either at either at Nine Dots or somewhere else in real life in the future and take it easy.
0: One, two, three, listen.
1: You can listen to previous episodes of the Dotcast anywhere people normally listen to podcasts and you can find out more about Nine Dots membership and the Nine Dots gathering at nine-dots.co.